You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. The aerial shots of Arrowhead Stadium are gracing the television set as we get ready for a Monday night football divisional matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and my beloved Raiders. The question is, are all my bad feels justified? Because I'm gonna be honest with you all. Like I got all like every ounce of bad feels I got them right now. Like last year, at this time, be going into Arrowhead Stadium last year, I was the most confident I said that I had I had been in a decade of a Raiders team taking on a Chiefs team, and the Raiders got demolished. Ever since then, my confidence has just gone to you know what? Today I feel the exact opposite. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, I can promise no professionalism, but I can promise you that it's time for the Monday Night Football Preview, and it is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. We need to bring in some actual professionalism for the analysis of what's going to happen from the Raiders. You know that's not coming from me. So we'll rely on ESPN Raiders reporter Paul Gutierrez to give us that now. Paul, appreciate your time, man. There were a lot of question marks this week. Max Crosby, more importantly, having a baby. So what's the latest on the baby situation and the timing with kickoff? Yeah, Bobby, uh, Baby Watch 2022, right? Yeah, he, he made the trip. He's here. Everything's good to go in terms of football. Um, and, you know, when real life gets in the way of, of things where people seem, seem to, you know, take different liberties or, or have different takes on it, hot takes, so to speak. But my understanding is he is here and, and ready to go. Let's talk about the chances for this team, even with Max Crosby, to hold their own against a Chiefs team and a Patrick Mahomes who has had his way with them. What has to go right for the Raiders? They've got to somehow pull the blueprint that they had a couple years ago when John Gruden took the infamous victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium. Um, and in <laughs> there was well. simply to, to keep yeah to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. And, and it's easier said than done, right? Um because even in that game, he still had a chance to, to pull it off there at the very end. And, and the Raiders scored a lot of points that day. Um, and they, they had kind of that ground-turning offense. Uh, Josh Jacobs showed last week that he still got it in him. And, and in, a lot of it is game plan. Uh, you know that Mahomes is going to get his. But from the Raider perspective, they simply have to keep the Chiefs off the field. And, and like I said, right here at the top, easier said than done. But that seems to be the blueprint to get it done. And that's what they did a couple of years ago. Um, you know, two years ago, they did the victory lap around the stadium. Didn't work out last year. Unique and Gawkway and, and the boys, they got out there and did a celebration dance on the Arrowhead logo on midfield. That didn't work out so well either. So they need to just focus and get things done on the field. Paul, you mentioned Josh Jacobs, and it was a delight to watch him run so much last week. But they had a lot of success running the ball on early downs. How do they replicate that success against this defensive front for the Chiefs particularly? Well, they got to be balanced, number one. And, and you know that, that, that Derek Carr, he has all the weapons in the world with Devontae Adams and, and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro should be active, and with Josh Jacobs too, uh, as a pass catcher. So you got to find a balance. You got to keep that Chiefs defense honest. That you can't let them just pin their ears back and and rush after Derek Carr because Derek hasn't had a lot of success in this stadium. He's one in seven in his career here. Uh, the only thing that's really different is a lot of those losses came in November, December when it's freezing. Uh, it's a nice day here today. It is going to be a night game, but but uh, you know that's something that at least you can kind of look after. <laughs> For you know, not analytics, I guess, but it, that's that's what they need to do is just keep the the Chiefs' defense off balance, and you do that with a balanced offense, so to speak. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Paul Gutierrez, ESPN Raiders reporter, ahead of tonight's Monday Night Football matchup with the Chiefs. It feels like, at least nationally, Josh McDaniels has not gotten a lot of flack for the rough start from this team. It's mostly been focused on other coaches whose teams have stumbled early. What have you made so far of his performance and how locally are fans reacting to his tenure thus far? 
yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, winning, winning is all, always the ultimate deodorant. So when they're coming off of a win last week, it, it kind of puts the, the jackals and the coyotes at bay, so to speak, coming after him. Uh, but, but it is. It's been interesting. And that was one of the things that I actually cautioned and, and wrote about during training camp was everybody just assumed that this was going to be a seamless transition. You look up and down the roster, and it's like, wow, they've got stars all over the place, pro bowlers, all pros. Uh, uh, an elite play caller in Josh McDaniels coming in, but people forgot that you know this is new for not only just the coach, not only the players, but for everybody. Um, and the last time he was a head coach, granted it was over a decade ago, but that he failed miserably in Denver. And he'd be the first one to tell you that. So there is a growing uh, process that's happening here, uh, you know, and there's a lot of growing pains that are going on too, especially offensively. Where the big thing to me is where Derek Carr actually acknowledged a couple of weeks ago that. He, while he, he's used to throwing the ball to Devontae Adams going back to Fresno State, he's not used to the kinds of coverages that his number one receiver is seeing out there. So he's mm. looking in other places, and, and he's finding other targets. And here we go. Mac Hollins all of a sudden has become uh, a, a very dangerous threat to opposing defenses. So there's a growing period that's happening here. The fans, they, you know, they win, they're great, they lose, they want to fire Josh McDaniels already. That's not going to happen anytime soon, not with the complete overhaul that this organization went through during the offseason despite going to the playoffs last year so there's there's a lot of still figuring each other out and especially when not a single one of those star starters played in the preseason either you guys can follow him on twitter twitter at p gutierrez espn paul thanks for being the pro around here we need it on this show we appreciate you enjoy the game tonight my friend thanks paul i guess i resembled our mark and i'll take that thank you he's doing a better job than i ever could now usually to break down the fourth wall we would give you the Chiefs side of the matchup and not because i'm a raiders fan that's not the reason that's not happening no uh adam teicher our buddy can't uh we can't get cell service with him inside the stadium it's already too packed we've been trying we can't reach adam so uh sarah unfortunately i'm not going to have to have adam remind me that the entire duration of our friendship uh adam's in mind that the chiefs have done nothing but whoop up on the raiders but we right. all know that seven right. and one for mahomes uh in the last eight one for seven for Carr in his career against this kansas city team and Frankly, this Kansas City team has looked better than I thought they would without Tyreek Hill. Nothing has been difficult for the Chiefs so far this year when it comes except to spreading the, the ball. Yeah, except for the Colts, which is <laughs> the, the weirdest other than that you could possibly have. Yeah, uh, Mahomes' eight starts versus the Raiders. The Chiefs have averaged 37.4 points per game. Uh, it's decent. It's oh, my God. Easy to win yeah. with that. I um, mean... You, uh, you, you've, you've read a lot of stats about Mahomes versus your chief, your uh, Raiders, and I don't think there's any reason to believe things will go differently tonight. How much of that do you think is just game plan, defensive liability, etc., versus a tremendous quarterback, one of the greatest we've ever seen? And how much do you actually attribute to them making him angry with the lap around the field and the and the meeting on the logo and all that stuff. I think the meeting on the logo and the lap around the field like I don't know that those are huge deals but I will say this in a in a world where last week Tampa Bay faced the Chiefs and next week the Bills faced the Chiefs any chance that you had of being like oh we're that Game that they might forget about because the Raiders have started slowly. I, that goes straight away, right? Like, that's gone because that the moment of just being able to replay that and say, hey, here's what they've done to us the last two years they were inside our stadium, I do think it sort of helps refocus the guys. This is just a bad matchup for the Raiders. And you mentioned it uh, earlier. The, the Chiefs have the number one rushing defense in the league. They have the 27th passing defense. So, in theory, the Chiefs can be thrown on. The problem is – if you get into a three-and-out shootout against Kansas City, right. this Raiders team, 
you're going to get your ass kicked. Like, it's yeah. not even going to be close. Yeah, it's, it's styles make games, and unfortunately for the Raiders, this is already a much better Chiefs team, and the styles do not benefit the only approach that they could possibly try to take. Yeah, the other part of this, and uh, the most surprising thing that the Raiders have statistically right now is they are 31st in sacks for this team. Mm. 31st. So when you start thinking about a lack of pressure, Max Crosby can get after the quarterback. I watched in Tennessee, there were plays where they were sending three people to Max because nobody else can do it. So Chandler Jones, total bust at this point. And if the Raiders don't don't get any pass rush on Mahomes, it's going to get ugly quickly. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Max Crosby's going to get that call about the baby right as the game is starting, and he's going to be unavailable. Oh, and then I'm going to say something that gets me unemployed, and that's why I'll need to go to Progressive.com. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Uh, That might be where I end up by the end of tonight. I have no idea. The FCC won't let me be, so we'll see how all of this goes for the course of the next hour or so. it feels so empty Uh, to be you. There we go. Well done. All right. Uh, We'll keep looking back. Back at uh, week five of the NFL, and we'll fill you in on two-minute uh, blunders that you've got to know about next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. I can guarantee you one thing. You'll never hear more about a Monday Night Football. You'll never be more updated <laughs> by uh, than you will be tonight for a Monday Night Football game as we are underway at Just Arrowhead careful Stadium. with the uh, laws and rules around actually calling the game as it happens. Yeah, well, you know, uh, th- there's I can't call it as it happens, but, uh, you know, we can just make sure. If you hear large uh, gaps of silence, Yelps. it means things have not gone my <laughs> way. Uh, as, as we get underway, the Raiders get the ball first. We'll keep you updated on that. But we also want to keep you updated on the Radio Pick'em Challenge because if you haven't been paying attention, every single show is picking against each other on a group of games that are pre-selected. There are three different uh, three different games every week that we're told to pick, and we have to pick those against the spread. And Sarah, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot, toot, toot last away. week was my week to pick, and I went 2-1, feeling pretty froggy. Toot away, because as I was watching those games, I was thinking to myself, gosh darn, I'm glad Fitz was picking this week, which I never <laughs> thought I would say. But I was wrong twice. I thought the Ravens would win, which they did, but it was a minus three spread. So your choice of the Bengals was correct. I thought the Rams would be uh, a team that showed up at all against the Cowboys. They did not. I picked the Rams. You picked the Cowboys. We both picked the Eagles. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I, I was just feeling better. I was just feeling better for once about you being the one who represented our show. Because guess what? Two and one catapulted us to tied for second. Wait, hold on. I believe we're alone in second. Yeah, we're alone in second. We are one I'm game back in standings. We are one I'm game at the back wrong, in wrong standings. Uh, yeah, we are in second place now behind only Greeny. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is our, our resurgent moment. By the way, uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons had uh, an 0-3 week. So for the first time, the show that's obviously had the entire NFL on the take uh, has has gone uh, yeah, tanked. They, they, you they know, tanked. it's too obvious. Yeah, it I mean, too they're... obvious. And they had to get a couple wrong so that we wouldn't know about them fixing games. Yeah, we're being sharked in this process. Uh, by the way, Raiders just dropped a huge pass. It might not have just gone to you-know-what. Uh, you mentioned yeah, right the three the, games. Right in the numbers. Uh, <laughs> 
You mentioned the three games. I uh, I lost a little bit of cash because I thought the Bengals would win outright, but the Bengals did have a great game last night, or a close game, let's say it that way, against the Ravens. But Sarah, a really surprising game to me with the Ravens and Bengals because both quarterbacks didn't play up to the expectation that I have for each of them. There were a couple of wide-open uh, touchdown caliber passes that Lamar Jackson overthrew. It just looked like everything was a little out of sync with his receivers. And then, uh, I mean, Joe Burrow, who you know I have a lot of love for, uh, absolutely had some throws that you just look at and say, what are you yep. doing? Like, what is what is what was your plan on that throwing that football? Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a uh, impeccable game from either guy. I mean, Lamar still did his thing on the ground, uh, not as much early in the game, but later he did. And some of the statistics that they were showing, I mean, it, it's you got to remind yourself the incredible stuff he's doing. A sixth quarterback in history to reach 4,000 yards in career rushing. He's by no means close to done. He's the fastest through 63 games to accomplish that feat. Um, you know, like, like you said, the, the, the passing game could use some work, but the biggest difference for me here was still Lamar doing enough Lamar things to give him the win, but the defense showing up to compliment. And Mina Kimes talked about that on NFL Live. Well, this felt like a step in the right direction to me. Um, their new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, came in with a very specific game plan. Primarily those split safety, cover yep. two, quarters, cover six looks. Keep everything in front of them. Rally to the football and tackle. And then don't blitz a lot. They showed pressure, but then they dropped out constantly. Only blitzed Joe Burrow on 10% of dropbacks. And, well, it worked. Burrow only completed one pass over 15 yards the entire game, only attempted four of them. Now, mm. some of that is on Cincinnati, which is the flip side of this, but I thought as far as coming in with a game plan, executing it, and also showing what Mike McDonald wants the identity of this defense to be, which is, of course, very different from that man-heavy, blitz-centric Wink Martindale defense, this felt really good. The Ravens are hoping their defense can remain in the zone. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. It's a great breakdown by Mina, and I thought smartly it was pointed out this morning. Really good coaching in general. Lack of ego of saying, hey, we need to we need to change what we're doing to slow down the Bengals. Uh, to, to be able to do that and then execute it does right. remind us how talented that defense can be. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see more from the Bengals. It's an unfortunate loss there because you are seeing development, especially from the the rough beginning of the season. But you gotta you gotta finish. And Justin Tucker, man, if you can get yourself one of them, <laughs> it's usually gonna help you out. Yeah, I heard um, I heard him say this morning that Tucker belongs in the Hall of Fame. I think that's always with kickers a bit of a, a conversation, but. He's made 61 straight in fourth quarter in overtime yeah. and 17 for 17 in the final minute of regulation. I mean, my God. And he could sing you an aria and talk about his field goals in seven different languages. Uh, I know those usually aren't taken into consideration, but why not? Throw them in there. They should be. All right, another game that you mentioned that we we had the uh, the bet on for us were Cowboys, Rams, and it's turned into a Cooper Rush love fest. I, I'm not trying to hate on Cooper Rush. I just think we need to look at the totality of what the Cowboys have done. Their defense was absolutely stellar in this matchup, and the Rams' offensive line was just awful. I mean, it was just a terrible offensive line performance. Matt Stafford was back there just running for dear life, so it's funny how last year all of a sudden it was like Stafford for MVP, and this year it's like, oh, Stafford's struggling. It's amazing how much harder your job is when your offensive line can't stop a defense that's just coming after the quarterback like rockets. Yeah, I uh, I think you had their number on this one way more than I did. I'm expecting the Rams to get better, to shake off the Super Bowl hangover, and it's it's not happening. Um, 
I, I, I'm starting to get really worried about whether this team will be able to, to come around. Um, and I think you're right about Cooper Rush, too. He's getting a whole lot of love, but I think Mina Kimes said something to the effect of, uh, Cooper Rush getting a ton of love for completing 10 passes is the energy I'm taking into my Monday. Uh, he he only had to complete 10 passes. So, uh, so is this really about him, or is this about that incredible defense? That's called not asking a lot of your quarterback. I wasn't asking much of Kyler Murray other than to know the game situation. I mean, I know at this point everybody's seen it, but uh, you're talking about inside two minutes, he slides down six inches short of the first down marker. Doesn't have awareness that that was third down. Spikes the ball. That creates fourth down. Then they go for a field goal that's missed wide right for a kicker that missed three kicks in warm-ups wide right. Like, it's just all mm. of it felt they like had the lack footage. of awareness. <laughs> they had the footage right. at the ready. Right. It was like, hey, yeah. we're going to show you how this is going to go. When the TV crew is like, we should hold this. This might yeah. come. And that tells you it was bad. Well, Dan Orlovsky was talking about that on KJ and Max this morning and just a lot of questions about what that looked like from the Cardinals. Second and five, and they call a short little completion to Hollywood Brown. He catches it with 47 seconds left. They clock it just about in field goal range with 37. If it's going to take you 10 seconds to spike the ball, call a daggone play. Then on second and 10, you call quarterback draw. You call quarterback draw knowing, hey, what's the call if we get eight yards? Like, why are we going, oh, I don't know. And then there's 22 seconds on the clock. Listen, if there's 22 seconds on the clock and it's third and one, just call a pass play. What did I say? Yeah. You know, just call a pass <laughs> Because call, if it's complete key... Get, you know what it was called? Get me five. And if it's complete... Get me five we right can now. Run, we could run up, clock the ball, yeah, it's kick irrational. the field goal. It's it, irrational it's, not to. It's yeah. unprepared. Yeah. It's unprepared. He said what he said. Call a daggum play. When you got Dan Orlovsky just hot, mad enough to say daggum, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, that is, that's about as bad as he gets from Orlovsky. You know, that, that's one step at a time for Dan. Next thing you know, he's going to be putting hot sauce on his chicken and everything's going to go straight Woo! to hell. Uh, that That is some of our breakdown on the games that we saw over the course of the weekend. We don't need to talk about the Bears game. Uh, no, Moral no. victory, in my opinion. Moral victory. Justin Fields, fourth best QBR in the league. They pushed the Vikings to the last second. I'm giving myself a half W. Uh, Look, I'll take the the half W on there all day. Like, if I can get a half W out of this game against the Chiefs, I'll be happy. Just me, not you. Okay, that's fair. Uh, We'll get you updated on Monday Night Football. Not that that, there was ever any question. Plus, we got to separate the good takes from the hot takes. We'll do it (laughs) next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's a really good thing the microphones weren't on during that commercial break because Derek Carr with a bomb to Devontae Adams for the touchdown and Fitz was swearing like a sailor up in here. That's a hot take, sir. That is a hot take. Also, if if anybody on this show said they shouldn't go for it on fourth down and they should have just punted the ball, that yeah, result, that, that? that would have been a hot take to a terrible hot take by me. I can't imagine anyone would say that, especially not a diehard fan who bet against their own team tonight. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll keep you updated on Monday Night Football. The Raiders are currently leading the Chiefs. Oh, Seven to nothing. (laughs) It's very early in this one. We'll keep you updated. In the meantime, let's talk about some of what went down this weekend the best way we know how, which is by listening to bloviating gas bags, speculate about the future of teams, players, coaches, assess their performances, and we decide whether they are giving us a good take or a hot take. Boom! Hot take! Hot take! It's time to rate the takes of the day. Are they good takes? The season is over. (laughs) I mean, one game in. 
and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. It's Good Take, Hot Take on Spain and Fitz. Let's start with the man leading our radio pick'em challenge, Mike Greenberg, who said on Greeny this about Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, uh, is not skating free in the conversation about what went wrong with the Panthers. Obviously, Matt Rule is the one replaced today, but uh, Greeny seems to feel like Baker may be getting too much criticism. It is a reminder of how dependent the quarterback position is and that far more young quarterbacks in the NFL are ruined than developed. So Baker Mayfield's lot in life now is going to be to be a backup somewhere. He's not going to get another chance to start unless the team he's playing backup for, starting quarterback gets hurt and he goes in and gets red hot. He can resurrect his career, and I suppose Darnold could too. But the overwhelming likelihood is that they will not, that they will now just be journeymen who are backups for the rest of their lives. And someday we will say, remember when Baker Mayfield had all those commercials? Remember what a big star he was? Whatever happened to that? Six coaches in five years is what happened to that. Uh, a good take or hot take? I think that's a good take. And I, look, a lot of this is about every position anymore. Like, I think the NFL has become more team dependent than it was for a long time. I don't know that one quarterback can just will everything around them to be better. Some can, but that's the rarity. Not That's the exception, not the rule. So to me, if you're looking at the quarterback position, this is also a really important reminder to everybody that's convinced they're going to go find theirs in the draft because Baker Mayfield was not only supposed to be that when he was drafted, it looked like he was that in the early portion of his career. Got to have stability for guys to turn around and be great. Yeah. Uh, he will be out several weeks with a high ankle sprain. P.J. Walker will be the starter for the Panthers moving forward with Sam Darnold on IR. And I do think I believed that Baker Mayfield would have a lot more success with the Panthers, even when healthy. Four touchdowns, four interceptions, a 71.9 passer rating. But again, I haven't seen anyone look good playing quarterback for Matt Rule at the NFL uh, level. So it is very hard to separate the hand that Baker's been dealt uh, with the talent that we thought he had. All right, moving on. Next take, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL analyst, was on SportsCenter naming his uh, top team in the NFC. Let's see if you agree. Best team in the NFC, guys. Wow. In all three phases, they're playing really good football. Cooper Rush is not turning the ball over. I'm assuming it'll be Cooper Rush against Philadelphia. They have the best defense in the NFL. And today we saw special teams. Doran Armstrong made a big play. So when I look at the completeness of those three units compared to everybody else, including the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, I think it's going to be a great game. But right now, if I had to pick a team coming out of the NFC, guys, I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. Ah, uh, good take or hot take? That is it. Man, that's a hot take. I want to make it a good take. Uh, and I love the Cowboys defensively, but also... I think we need to remind everybody that the Eagles defensively have put it on this year, too. I mean, I understand that uh, it took everything in them to beat the uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, but they held Kyler Murray to an 80.5 passer rating. They only gave up 17 points. Uh, I, I feel like the Eagles have a very capable defense and a much better offense at this point than the Cowboys. So I don't know why we would take the Cowboys over the Eagles in that combo. Uh, 100% agree with you. That is a very hot take. I'm very enthusiastic about this Cowboys defense. I'm very surprised by the Cowboys success, and I will admit it over and over again. I thought this team was toast before the season started. I thought they were even toastier when Dak Prescott went out, and for them to be 4-1 and one is really impressive. That being said, the Eagles are 5-0, and oh, and I'm much more impressed at the quarterback position of the Eagles, the complete roster of the Eagles, and the victories they've gotten. So, uh... Yeah, that's a hot take for me. It's Spain and Fitz. We're doing good take, hot take. Let's get to Ron Rivera, 
Ooh boy, this is awkward. The commander's head coach asked about the difference between his team and the other NFC East teams having some success. Following up on John's question about the, the Giants, you know, they're up to a faster start. The Eagles, the Cowboys, you know, they've kind of all been rebuilding too the last couple of years, and it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at this point? Quarterback. I mean, with quarterback, like the Cowboys, for instance, they're, they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able to well, they win. Started with, well, they, they started, started with, with them, Dak, but they've... And they built around Dak, and the offense is built around Dak. Um, their backup's a, a guy that is very solid inside of it, inside of what they do. Um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. I mean, Sarah, that is a – let me say it this way. That's a good take. Hey, good. But giving that take is a hot take because at some point, now all you've done is create a conversation. A, you were the one that brought Carson Wentz in and you thought enough to trade for him, right? But B, at some point, what have you just done with whatever the conversation is in that locker room about your guy and your quarterback? I know none yeah. of us love Carson Wentz, but I, I I don't love giving that take. Ron Rivera's been a coach long enough to know to find a way to avoid the answer to that question. Worth saying that he did follow it up with some talk about almost as if he's treating his statement as a reflection of just the past and that his current take is that they're seeing progress and things are going to be fine. You know, he said he had no regrets about trading for Wentz and they're going to keep building around him. So there was follow-up there, but I think the follow-up was too late. You saw and heard the truth there. You know, saying we have a guy we think we can build around, you know, we have a guy that's really growing in what we're doing, we have some good pieces, after you've said what he just said, which sounded like the God's honest truth out of his mouth, uh, I think it's really tough to come back to. I don't like to criticize honesty, but I do think you're right. That's a very tough position to put your QB in. Hard to listen to that and not make the cringy face. Uh, it's good take, hot take. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Let's get to the last take. Keyshawn Johnson on KJ and Max how he feels about the Packers after their loss this weekend. They're in a growing stage on the offensive side of the ball with new pieces trying to understand how Aaron Rodgers plays. He's trying to understand how they play. I looked at some stuff yesterday, and guys were basically chicken fighting over there, Harry, running into each other, scrapping <laughs> with the DB to get off the line of scrimmage, <laughs> in the wrong spots. I could see it without even watching the All-22. I could just see it on the film, and I said to myself, I was like, well, they don't know how to separate yet. The offensive line wasn't playing good. The Giants' defense certainly knew how to get after Aaron Rodgers in the offensive line. So I'm not, like, ready to throw the towel in and panic and do all of those sort of things just yet. I think I give it a few more games. Let's see how it works out. Not ready to panic, Fitz. Good that's take, that's take. a hot take. How can you not be ready to panic right now? I mean, there is some element of everything we thought could happen has happened for the Packers when it comes to things looking difficult, right? Like, there's what is their answer and identity on offense? I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. And you know, yes, that you can say they're coming off the London game, and maybe that makes things more difficult for the Giants. But they needed everything they had to beat a bad Patriots offense. Like the, the Packers don't look good. I don't care what the record is; they don't look good right now. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is um, you can look at a record and say they'll be fine, and you can look at a couple games coming up against the Jets and Commanders. We added the Giants in that mix of games that we thought they would win easily and get to 6-1, and one, and they didn't. Look at the games. They lost to the Vikings, and it was ugly. They beat the Bears, who aren't good. They beat the Buccaneers, 
barely in an absolutely brutal game where the Bucks didn't have any of their offensive weapons. They almost lost to the Patriots with Bailey Zappi. It took them overtime. They lose to the Giants, and the way the Jets are playing, I'm not putting it past the Jets on giving them something to deal with there. The Commanders, that should be a W. But then you follow that up with the Bills, Lions, Cowboys, Titans, Eagles. I am panicking about the Packers. Absolutely. Yeah, I I am too, Sarah, by the way. And, you know, we just presume every year that it works out because Aaron Rodgers makes it work out. But I I heard somebody earlier today say, I can't wait to see what Matt LaFleur looks like when he's coaching his butt off because right now I'm not sure he is. I think there is an element of, hey – Everybody else in the entire organization needs to step up, and that's that's got to happen for everybody that's wearing a Packers uniform. Well, you know, maybe the secret is Luke Getze, who's now coaching the Bears offense, and mm-hmm. Justin Fields' fourth-best QBR of Woo! the weekend in a loss. Hey, while and- we're talking about good news, can I tell you real quick, the Chiefs just missed a field goal. Wow! Chiefs just missed a field goal. The Chiefs just missed a field goal. I am so not professional. All right, we got to get through roughly 15 more minutes of Fitz multitasking (laughs) before he can hit the bar and start to drown his sorrows in advance of the outcome of this game. It's Spain and Fitz. We'll continue to update you on Monday. Also, we'll get your answers for who we should root for in the MLB playoffs now that our teams have been eliminated for a couple months. That's coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Downright giddy. Giggling. Like a schoolgirl handed a giant lollipop. His Raiders are up 7-0 on the Chiefs. Things are looking good. Harrison Butker needed very badly by this Chiefs team. Oh, the kicking game. At this point, we might see them just start going for it on every uh, every every opportunity because I don't think they could trust any of that. Uh, and they and they are uh, already feeling it this early in the game. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, 7-0 lead for the Raiders on Monday Night Football, despite uh, Devin just assuming the Chiefs would be up and typing that on my screen. Uh, Fitz, yeah, what, uh, what are we doing, Devin? <laughs> it says Chiefs up 7 nothing. Devin, explain yourself, good sir. I don't know. I guess it's, yeah, it's exactly what Sarah said. It's what I was expecting. Your brain was like, well, I guess... Wow. Guess it's the Chiefs playing the Raiders. So. I can't have it, those watching actually go. real. Like we have to actually like decide if what we're watching is real right now. It, of course, it's real. It's the first Mirage. quarter, and it's gonna, it's bringing me joy, which means it's real because by the fourth quarter, I will be you know several vodka sodas. Yeah, they have to set in. you up for right. disappointment, which right. means they have to look good for a while before they uh, inevitably collapse. Yeah, this is it's this is the first date. Everything's good on the first the date. Time. You don't find out that you're, you don't find out that the other one's crazy until like the fourth date. That's the fourth quarter fourth for me. Quarter. Every, Are you nervous right. now that you're going to have to go to watch this game in front of people I and now you're going to have to be like yeah. kind of your crazy self? I haven't figured this out yet either. Like the timing of get like I've got the game up on uh, what it's on eight TVs in the studio right now. Yeah, Devin, were you around and, last year when Fitz wouldn't watch sitting down so then he couldn't figure out how to leave the studio because yeah, he would have to drive his car and he couldn't drive it standing because it would be bad. I luck. waited till halftime. I, I drove during <laughs> halftime and didn't feel good about that. And now now I'm sitting here trying to time it out. I got the a game already pulled up on my phone so that I can sprint to the car so I can drive to the bar so I can meet the friends. But I don't know that I should really be in front of people. There's so many things I'm, I'm superstitious yeah. like that. Yesterday, the Giants game, my buddy I was watching with, we were, we started making a comeback and he decided to take off his, uh, you know, hoodie that he was wearing i was like no no no! you have to put that back on right who now. who takes off doing? the hoodie right. i mean if Insane. game's going well you don't take off the hoodie man you guys are irrational uh, i'm not superstitious i'm just a little stitious a little stitious 58 yard touchdown that's the second longest of his career 
Um, Derek Carr, by the way, 200 career passing touchdowns. The three quarterbacks in the 2014 draft before him, Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, all picked in advance of him, have combined for just 182 passing touchdowns as of Monday. He's got 200 on his own. By the way, Devontae Adams was a plus 700 to score first. So if you had that. Dinner's on you. I mean, yeah. if, if you had you that, go. you're buying. But I'm just—if you had the Chiefs missing a field goal, you're in luck because they did again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that seems to be the theme over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Fitz, we will keep an eye on your Raiders, of course. You will keep both eyes, all your fingers and toes and body parts uh, on your Raiders. But let's switch gears real quick because we did ask for the people's advice on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed at Spain and Fitz at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz uh, of which baseball team you could convince a sports fan with no rooting interest to cheer for in this postseason. And we, of course, need this because the A's and the Cubs are no longer in, uh, I think, very recently eliminated, if I remember correctly. I think they were very close. Very, it was it was right down to the wire. Razor-thin uh-huh. margin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we got some good answers. Uh, Dan Albert really walked us through all of it. Uh, can't root for the evil empire. No Yankees. Astros cheat. The Guardians are really Indians. That's problematic. The Braves won last year. Tatis has ringworm. Philadelphia boos Santa. The Dodgers kidnap Freddie. Let's go Mariners. Okay, that those are all very good answers. Um, yeah. I, I'm in on that. Although, the uh, where do we find the counterbalance between booing Santa and having the most adorable mascot in sports? Because yeah, the Phillies may may be able to stake claim mm, to both. I'm going to disagree with you there uh, because while. The Phillies mascot is one of the greatest mascots in all of sports, uh, behind, of course, Gritty. The Mariners actually have a four-year-old Labrador retriever named Tucker. Okay, but we're not going with live animals. I, I, there's uh, a different why category. Not? They've got a clubhouse dog. Okay, You're not uh, going to prioritize a fuzzy green blob over an actual dog. God, you're so right about that. I want to, like, I just want to yeah. be contrarian enough to go with the fuzzy green just, blob because I'm sure he's a great hugger. But like Mariner's pup and oh, then try to say no to that Mariner's place. pup? What yeah, am I, I mean, um, a lot of people are telling us Mariners. Uh, we got this. 21 years of misery should earn you some bandwagon jumping fans. Uh, meanwhile, at Clark Meister 1, get a load of this. Dodgers. A historically great team that got robbed of two titles by MLB, confirmed with a much maligned and passionate as hell fan base that always is at the top of league attendance. I think he meant combined. Uh, you are not selling me on feeling sorry for the Dodgers. Yeah, uh, it, I could hate the Astros and still not feel sorry for the Dodgers. There's got to be some fine line on that one, right? Like, I, there's no way that I'm going to sit here and say, oh, the Dodgers. I mean, all the Dodgers do is spend money and then hope to yeah. win championships. And they get a million that's, MVPs and get yeah. really close, but only win in an asterisked year. For what uh, it's worth on the Guardians, I will throw this out there. They, since the Cubs won, now have the longest active World Series drought. Yeah, that's what I said in the last segment. And they and did and change a, away from being yeah. problematic. They, they did, got ahead they of the did. curve. They took a first Sarah, step. come on. you got to be compassionate here. And you know what as it's someone like. pointed out, uh, they actually were a worthy opponent during that World Series. There was very little um, of the kind of nastiness that so often happens when you get down to the final two and everybody's very on edge and long streaks are at play. They were actually a really good team to face off with all that on the line. And they were very generous with their happiness for Cubs fans, even in their darkest moment. So uh, Cardinals are up there. Uh, But DJ and KC says it's a no-brainer. It's the Phillies, number one. They beat the Cardinals. Number two, Schwarber. And numbers three through ten. See number one. They beat the Cardinals. That is very compelling. Um, let me make another case here, though, for Cleveland. Also, the more things in Cleveland to pay attention to that aren't named Browns, 
the less attention the Browns right. get for longer. Yeah, but here, no, you've already no? talked me out of it because think of how many Guardians fans are also Browns fans. Okay. And if the Guardians win, the Browns fans will be happy. Okay, okay, okay. So now, now we've we've taken Cleveland. We put them in the in the yeah. uh, in the very hard trick to... list. Not in I the know. Treat list. I really okay. shouldn't hold it against longtime Guardians fans that the ownership of the Browns is problematic, but it's hard not to. Uh, Angry Bears fan Deadman came through with an interesting uh, theory on how to decide this. He said the city with the best overall music scene and contributions to music. He said out right away: San Diego, Los Angeles, Houston, Cleveland. I get the feeling L.A. has made a lot of great contributions, yeah. and I believe Cleveland is home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. But, uh, but, but I mean, okay. the, the L.A. thing is a little, like, if you listen to a lot of rock, like, I know he mentioned grunge coming out of Seattle, which I think is super important to music history, and also uh, there's a lot of jazz and a lot of classical music that came out of there, too. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, I have a hard time just ignoring L.A.'s importance LA. to the music scene. Yeah. Like, it's just... yeah. Not many people are in in the whole scope of generations for multiple generations have said, I want to make it music. I'm going to move to Seattle. Right, like, right, right. The there was one stri- generation. Sunset Strip alone, yeah. uh, home to legendary acts that made their way up. Uh, he said, came close, Atlanta, Philly, New York. Uh, it's not exactly how I see the music scenes. And then he went with the winner, Seattle, jazz, grunge, everything else. I mean, Pearl Jam, uh, it, it's a good argument in the end. Uh, the way he got there was... Troubling, but the, I mean, but as long as he eventually spot. got to Pearl Jam, it works. By the way, uh, two plays on this drive have been pass interferences created by Devontae Adams reacting to underthrown footballs. Things they don't count in the stat sheet, Sarah. Yeah, well, uh, things that won't count in the stat sheet is a, a close loss by your team. Which hey, we'll it's find first and goal for the Raiders <laughs> from the, the one. Let's best. go! Hey, no live commenting on games. You're going to get us in trouble. I was just uh, telling everybody what's happening. Vince is about to have 11 drinks. I think we decided as a as a team. We're rooting for the Mariners. You're welcome, Mina.